Amen, amen. Well, I want you to go ahead and open your Bibles this morning to uh, John chapter 4, John chapter 4, beginning in uh, verse 46, as we take a look uh, at this uh, text of Scripture uh, this morning. And so last time we looked at Jesus, Jesus had come uh, on to Galilee, and he he was there in Capernaum, and uh, spent some time in Capernaum, and there uh, made that kind of his uh, central base of operation, if you will, but uh, just traveled along uh, the shore of Galilee up and down. And so we see Jesus within that region uh, in many places, and today we're going to see Jesus uh, back in Cana again, the place where uh, the wedding was. And so as we take a look at this text of Scripture, what I'm wanting to uh, us to understand this morning is that there is a process of faith. Amen? It, it's a process of faith. Whether you're an unbeliever, maybe you've never even heard the name Jesus before, right? Uh, you have never heard the name of Jesus, and somebody tells you about Jesus, and there's a process of faith. Or maybe you have heard the name of Jesus, but yet you haven't come yet uh, to the saving knowledge of, of who He is. And so there's that process of faith that you have from the initial hearing of the gospel to the initial hearing uh, of the teachings of the gospel to where that seed is then planted into your heart and then it takes root and then it begins to uh, to grow and bear fruit and so as we look at that it doesn't matter if you are a non-believer that is coming to a saving faith or you are a believer you've already been saved right you have already come to the saving faith of Jesus Christ but there you stand you are in need you have a moment of Christ within your life you're having trials that you need to get through in your life and you're a child of God you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ but you need to walk in faith because even as Christians right we're not just it's not just that we're saved by faith we're, we're also continue to walk in faith the righteous shall walk by faith amen and so as we begin to think about that even as a Christian we have that process of faith within our life and again it starts off with that word right and then as it goes from the word it then t- uh, take that word takes root within our heart it bears fruit and then it begins to grow or grows and then begins to bear fruit and so as we begin to look at that it doesn't matter where you are we find that process of faith and sometimes it's a little faster for others sometimes it might uh, it, it might seem to come immediately but yet there's still a process and sometimes it might take a, a, a long period of time right it might take years it might take decades uh, through that process of faith just continuing to grow and continue to work uh, within your life. But we find this in John chapter 4, beginning in verse uh, 46, with the healing of the nobleman's son. As we see this, here it was, this nobleman comes to Jesus. He has a son uh, that is deathly ill, and he's asking Jesus now to heal his son. And so as we begin to understand this through this whole text of Scripture, it's all about faith, and that and that's really is what it's about. It's about faith. About putting our faith and our trust solely in the person of Jesus Christ. So as we take a look at this, here it is, John chapter 4, beginning in verse 46. It says, Therefore he came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the, uh, made the water and the wine. And there was a royal official's son who was, uh, who was sick at Capernaum. And when he had heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went uh, to him and was imploring him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And so Jesus said to him, unless you, uh, unless you people uh, see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. The royal official said to him, Sir, come down uh, before my child dies. 
And Jesus said to him, Your son, live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started off. So as he was going down, his slaves met him, saying that his son was living. He inquired of them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at that very hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives, and he himself believed in his whole household. This is again a second sign that Jesus performed when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. So as we take a look at this text of Scripture, it's interesting that Jesus was in Capernaum and now he is there in Canaan. And so when we begin to think about this, begin to understand, uh, you know, we find this this, uh, chronological chronological order uh, of Jesus. Jesus kind of stayed relatively in in a pretty close proximity of a close area. Sometimes he would go into Judea, sometimes he'd go into Jerusalem, but the great bulk of his ministry was there by the shores of, uh, 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 there by the shores of Galilee. And so as he, he began that ministry, uh, there as he's in uh, Cana again, uh, this nobleman's son, this, this uh, royal official is the word of God. This royal official comes to him because his son is deathly ill. And so he has an need. And so as he has this need, what does he do? He comes to Jesus. Now, we all have needs within our life. I believe this is probably the most desperate need that anybody could ever be in within their life. You know, I believe that one of the hardest, I've never had to face this, but I know many people here, some folks here this morning have had to face this uh, of losing a child. And I can't even imagine the, the pain and the sorrow, the grief that that would cause. But praise God that Jesus is with us every single step of the way amen but i believe what's even probably worse than that is knowing that you have a living child but that child is on the brink of death that child is dying that child is going to die and there's absolutely nothing that you could do about it whatsoever that child's been given a death sentence i i can't even imagine how hopeless and helpless and and how awful of a situation that that must be for a parent for a father for a mother to have to go through and so here this desperate parent he's probably tried everything under the sun he's, he's a royal official is what the word of God tells us so he's probably an affluent person he has he has means and so he's probably done everything humanly possible that he could do on his own to try to get the help that his son needs and then he comes to the point where there's there's nothing humanly possible you know you could take you could go to a doctor just like I've gone to a doctor before and the doctor said hey guess what you've got cancer it's going to kill you there's not a thing in the world we can do about it right it's not that they don't want to it's not that they don't want to help you but there's nothing there that they could do it's out of their hands and so when it comes to the human means it comes to the means of this world there's absolutely nothing that we could do i want you to understand when it comes to this issue called life we need to recognize how much is really out of our control amen Pretty much everything. Say, well, I can breathe on my own. Well, I know some folks that would love to say I can breathe on my own. Amen. That are struggling for a breath. Well, I can get food. Well, can you really? You know, we, we've been talking for a couple of years now, it seems like, of the possibility of food shortages and things like that. And you shut down the trucks and you shut down the trains. And guess what? We're going to run out of food real quick. 
Amen. It won't take long at all. We will run out of food. So is that really in our control? That when it comes to life, you know, we really aren't in control of a whole lot of things. There are very few things of which we are actually in control of, and we need to recognize that. Amen. And so when we say to ourselves, you know, we say as, a, as citizens of the United States of America, Jesus gave us that example prayer. And within that example prayer, it says, give us this agenda. Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. But how many of us are really concerned about that daily bread within our life? How many really think, am I going to have my daily bread today? Or am I going to have my daily bread tomorrow? Am I going to have my daily bread next week? But you know, in every single, Jesus was showing us, in every single aspect of our life, all the way down to our daily bread, we need to have faith in Him. Amen? We don't just need to say, hey, if I get sick, I go to the doctor, I get hungry, I go to the grocery store, if I, you know, and it's going to be a quick fix to everything I have uh, within my life because sometimes it's not. Amen? Sometimes it's not. And so what we have to do is every single day as a child of God, as a man of God, as a woman of God, we have to walk by faith and we need to put our faith and trust. You know, that's really an act of worship. It's not just something that we do in our desperate times of need, but it should be an act of worship as a Christian of our everyday walk and our everyday life. Jesus, I'm trusting in you to give me the next breath. I'm trusting in you to give me the next heartbeat. I'm trusting in you to give me the ability to make the next step i'm trusting in you to give me the ability to make the right decisions and go the right directions and do the right things and in every single area of my life lord jesus i am trusting in you and so when you we get to these really difficult things again i can't imagine a harder situation in life of having a child that is there at the brink of death and you could do absolutely nothing about it. It is totally out of your control. And he's probably tried everything in the world and everything in the world has failed him. There's nothing humanly possible. Even though he's an, an affluent individual, there's nothing that he could do to possibly help his son out. It's out of his hands. I couldn't imagine how grief-stricken he must be, how grief-stricken his wife must be. I couldn't imagine the desperation that he must have been going through at this time. And so as we get a look at this, you know what? He says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn to Jesus. And as we begin to think about this, it, we, we begin to understand, first of all, uh, as we look at this process of faith, this process of faith that we see here, that, clearly that this royal official uh, went through, this process that, that's really in this whole text of Scripture that we're going to go through uh, this morning, the very first thing that we need to understand is, is obviously he had heard about Jesus. Right? Obviously, he heard about Jesus because he went to go seek Jesus out. But it started with the hearing about Jesus. And so as it started with the hearing about Jesus, we looked at a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the fact that Jesus was there in Capernaum. Jesus was uh, there uh, on the mountainside. Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. Right? He stood up there. And so possibly if, if Jesus was in Capernaum, this man is from Capernaum, possibly he himself heard Jesus. Right? Maybe
maybe you heard about he, he went to Canaan and what happened in Canaan Jesus turned the water into wine so possibly he heard about that because that miracle is referenced right here within this text of scripture so maybe he heard about the miracle that Jesus did maybe right there in Capernaum he actually heard Jesus himself preaching the sermon on the mound or maybe he heard somebody else say hey I, I just left that mountainside and I heard a fantastic sermon best sermon you'll ever hear but maybe he himself heard him he said hey he's not like these Pharisees he's not like these Sadducees he's not like these other individuals he's teaching as one who has authority because remember that's one of the very things that the Pharisees and all of them were jealous of Jesus he didn't teach like they did he taught with authority why because he did have authority he was the son of God and he was God in the flesh he was the Messiah the anointed one of God and so maybe he heard Jesus teaching or he heard about Jesus but somehow word had penetrated his heart to get him to the point of understanding Jesus is who I need amen and again, whether it's a saving faith, the fact that you're lost and you need to know Jesus Christ or you want to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you say, you know what, I am condemned by my sins. Jesus died on the cross for me to save me from my sins. He is my only hope. He is the only solution uh, to saving me from these sins. I need Jesus. I need to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Or you're a child of God that's facing an issue within your life that there's absolutely nothing that you could do about it and again we need to understand we need to allow that especially as arrogant Americans amen I love this country I am a patriot to the core but boy can't we get arrogant I'll just pull myself up by the bootstraps and I'll get after it sometimes you can't amen sometimes you can't and so what we need to understand, we need Jesus in every single area, in every single aspect of our life, and we need to pursue Him wholeheartedly. And it starts with the hearing. It starts with the hearing, Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. That's why the proclamation of the gospel is so important. And that's why as Christians, the reading and the knowing and the hearing of the word of God is so extraordinarily important because maybe it's a text of scripture that you've heard a thousand times. Maybe it's a text of scripture that you read a thousand times. Now all of a sudden, man, it hits you you like a sledgehammer and it just opens up your eyes and you say wow that is what I needed to hear that is what I needed to know that is what I needed to understand and I pursue Jesus in whatever area and situation in life that it so happens to be so here it is this royal official it started with the hearing about Jesus obviously he didn't go to Canaan for no reason he knew Jesus was there right so he left the bedside of his dying son. He left the bedside of his dying son. It took him a day to get home, so therefore it obviously took him a day to get there. And so as he left the bedside of his dying son and said, hey, I'm going to go pursue Jesus because he, I believe he has the words of life. I, maybe whether he heard the word himself or whether he heard somebody else 
saying what Jesus did or whether he heard the miracle that Jesus performed there in Canaan, regardless of what it was, he had heard about Jesus in some form or fashion. And so now he knows that Jesus is his hope and he's going to go pursue Jesus. He's going to go seek Jesus out. And that's exactly what he did. Which is, by the way, the second step of faith. First one is the hearing. Amen? And the second one is the pursuing. He went to go pursue Jesus. He went on a journey to go find Jesus. And as he went on a journey to go find Jesus, he left Capernaum. He traveled that day to go find Jesus. No telling how long it took him to actually locate Jesus. I'm sure it wasn't that hard to find when he he got into Canaan. So he went on pursuit of Jesus. Friends, I want you to understand as children of God, as born-again believers in Jesus Christ, now, as a lost person, the first thing that you need to do is just put your faith in Jesus. Amen? You need to put your faith. You can try to chase after Him all day long, but until you put your faith in Jesus Christ, then that's all you can do. Right? It's just put your faith in Jesus Christ. But once you become a child of God, what did Jesus say time after time after time? I mean, he said this probably more than he said anything else. He said it repeatedly as we see that within the scriptures. He says, follow me. Amen. And you know what our life as Christians need to be? Our life as Christians not to be on this wild goose chase that the world would have you to be on. I mean, that roller coaster of life and that freeway of life, have the pedal to the metal, everything is wide open and you're chasing your dreams and you're you know, running after this and running after that. And there's, there's nothing wrong with having goals and dreams within your life and, 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 and hopes and things that you'd like to see done. But what needs to be first and foremost within in our high is a full pedal to the metal pursuit of Jesus Christ. That we are pursuing Him above and beyond anything and everything within our life. Here this man understood that he had a need. His need could not be fulfilled by any means of this world. Jesus was the absolute only hope that his son had, that he had. And so he is going to go and chase Jesus down. Amen? And it didn't matter matter to him what he needed to do and where he needed to go. He was going to go find Jesus. Sometimes we just need to get on our face till we hear. We need to seek till we find. Amen? We just need to get in that prayer closet and we just need to continue to pray and continue to seek and continue to plead. And as we recognize that Jesus is our only hope, Jesus is our only answer. We have to ask ourselves a serious question. I mean a really serious question. I'm talking to Christians today. A serious question is, are you really in pursuit of Jesus within your life, or are you just a Sunday go-to-meeting kind of Christian? Amen? Because there is a difference. Now, I'm not saying that you're not a Christian. I'm not saying that you're not saved. I believe the majority of Christians today, the great majority of Christians are Sunday go to meeting Christians. They're truly saved. They're truly born again. They're bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. They're heaven bound. But throughout their daily life, they're getting so caught up with the hustle and bustle, they don't even really take time to even think about Jesus. Amen? 
You know, Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. Amen? You ever pass by a steakhouse or something? Yeah, we've got a convertible. We smell everything. Whether we want to or not. Amen? We smell it all. But boy, when you pass by, you know, I'm, I'm not a big McDonald's or Burger King kind of person. Doesn't Burger King smell so good when you pass by? <laughs> and boy, you pass by that steakhouse and you can smell those steaks cooking. And boy, they smell so good. Are you passing, you know, maybe you pass in front of a pastry shop, whatever it is, and you get a hunger for it? Friends, we need to have a hunger for Jesus. We need to have a thirst for Jesus. We need to have a longing for Jesus. Say that, you know what, Jesus, you are the only answer to my life. You are the only answer to this world. This world is turned upside down. This world is in absolute chaos right now. An election is not going to help this world. I'm not saying don't vote. By all means, vote. But an election is not our ultimate hope. Jesus is our ultimate hope. And He always has been and He always will be. Amen? And we need to pursue Jesus above and beyond all things within our life. And so as we look at this, He sought Jesus out. It took Him at least a day to get there. Then He finds Jesus. And as He finds Jesus, we need to recognize something else. Maybe He did hear Jesus in Capernaum. Maybe he talked to Jesus face to face in Capri. Maybe he shook his hand. Maybe he sat down and had dinner with him. I don't know. Maybe he passed him on the street. Maybe he saw him from afar. He was within close proximity of Jesus. But he didn't pursue him then. You know why? Oh, he had a need. He just didn't know it. Amen? He didn't realize it. He didn't understand it. Now he was going a great distance to find Jesus. See, the greater you know the need is, the greater distance you'll travel. Go and pursue. You know the good thing about Jesus? You know the good thing about the Word of God? God's not playing hide-and-go-seek. <laughs> Amen? He's not into that game. He's not playing hide and go seek. He said, if you seek me, you're going to find me. Amen? If you seek me, you will find me. You know the good thing about Jesus? He wants to be found. He wants us to find him. He wants us to pursue him. He wants us to find him. And if we seek him as children of God, we're going to find Him. Now, yes, He lives within our heart, but I'm talking about to have the passionate, uh, you know, the, that, that, that zealous relationship with Him to where we're passionate, we're on fire, we know that Jesus is right there within our life. He's not just at a far, and we're not just having those passing glances of Jesus and that, you know, hey, we went to church today, everything was great, everything was wonderful, but no, I came and I met with Jesus. I believe that's the reason why most folks don't come to church. They don't understand what it's all about. 
Oh, just come sing a few songs here, preacher. Get up there, rent and ready for a little bit. No, we're coming to meet with Jesus. Amen? Where two or more gathered in his name, there I'll be also. Amen? So we're coming to meet with Jesus. And that's what this day needs to be all about. But that's what our everyday needs to be all about in full pursuit of Jesus Christ. So the first step right there is in the, uh, in the growing our faith. The first step in that process of faith is that we hear the word and however, word, however uh, that word may come, but we hear the word. And then once we hear the word, the word becomes reality within our life. We then start off in that journey of pursuing Jesus. But then also humility takes a part as well. That great act of humility on our part to where we realize that we're not all that and then some but he is here it is jesus is a royal official i mean uh this man is a royal official and he's pursuing a carpenter (laughs) amen think about that for just a minute he is a well-respected honorable individual now the bible doesn't tell us exactly what his position is the bible doesn't tell us exactly who he is we don't know anything is just pure speculation all the bible says is that he is a royal official so that's all we know about him but all that we need to know about him is that he's somebody that has a prominent position obviously and he is a very prominent member of society and here this very prominent member of society a royal official is humbling himself to go and seek out Jesus. So as we begin to recognize that, here it is, first of all, as we recognize that he had a reputation, he wasn't like Nicodemus. Nicodemus was also a very reputable person. But as we remember in John chapter 3, Nicodemus came and sought Jesus out by night. But as we look at this text of Scripture, obviously this royal official didn't seek Jesus out by night. He sought him out right in the broad day, right in front of everybody, to where everybody was able to hear the words that he was speaking because Jesus had a response that says Jesus said to him unless you people see signs and wonders you simply will not believe so if you look at the language right there if you look at the wording right there it does say he spoke it to him but then Jesus says you people as if you're not the only one standing here but everybody else that's standing here as well that needs to hear this this word you people right so obviously he didn't do this in secret He sought Jesus out in a public way. Exactly how public, we don't know, but at least it was a little bit public, if not out in the very wide open. Maybe Jesus was out there, uh, you know, open air preaching. And so in in that time, he calls out to Jesus and he says, Hey, I need your help. My son is about to die and you are my only solution. But understand something as well, if this man was a royal official, he had authority. He had authority. He had power. He had not only affluence, but influence. So he could have came to Jesus and said, hey Jesus, I'm not asking you, I'm telling you, come with me. I need you. Come with me. He could have 
got his guards. He could have got his servants and say, hey, go grab a hold of him. He's coming with us. Right? He was a royal official. He had a power. He had a th- influence. And he would have been able to order the man, Jesus. Of course, Jesus could have stopped that dead in his tracks if he wanted to. But as far as worldly perspective as we're talking about here, he had the power to do that. But he didn't do that. He just came and simply made a request of Jesus. But what he also had to do is lay down that royal official title to the side. That power, that affluence, and that influence, that prestige and all that he had, he had to just lay that to the side and come humbly before the Lord Jesus Christ and humbly come before Him and say, Jesus, I need You. You're my hope. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about pride. The Bible tells us pride comes before a fall. And as we think about pride and we think about all of the aspects of pride, I believe number one sin that the Bible addresses within the Word of God, especially as you read through the book of Proverbs time and time again, talking about haughtiness and talking about that prideful spirit. And you know, it's an arrogant, prideful spirit on our part when we think we've got everything under control. We've got everything taken care of. You know what we become when we think we've got everything under control? We've got everything taken care of. We're our own gods and we don't need anybody else. What well, 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, humble themselves, that's where it starts right there, humble themselves, then pray, then seek my face, then turn from your wicked ways. But it starts with humbling yourself and saying, God, I need you. I need you. I'm standing here like that old song. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister. No, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. I need you. Amen? I'm the one that's standing here right now in this time of need. I need you. But this last step right here we see as Jesus said to him here in verse 48, he, he'd heard the word. He went in full pursuit of Jesus. He humbled himself. Jesus, I need you. Verse 48, as Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. They needed signs and wonders in order to believe. Put on a magic show for us. To pull some rabbits out of your hat. We, we need these signs and wonders. If we're going to believe in you, you need to do something to prove you really are who you say you are. Jesus rebuked them for that. In verse 49, the royal official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. I, I'm not interested in performance. I'm not interested in signs and wonders. Jesus, I'm in a desperate hour right now. My son's about to die. And I need you. Jesus recognized his faith. Verse 50, Jesus said to him, Go, your son lives. Just go, it's done. Done deal. I don't need to come lay hands on him. 
I don't need to come and pray over him. I don't need to come and, you know, Jesus did all kinds of different things. He'd take mud, spit on it, put it on somebody's eyes. I mean, he did all kinds of different things. Right? This time he said, you just go. Done. What did the royal official do? Okay. I'll go. What does that mean? He believed Jesus. He didn't need to see anything. He didn't need any signs. He didn't need any wonders. Jesus said it. That settles it. I believe it. It's done. It's done. All the way home. Took him a day to get back home. You know what he obviously did? He continued to walk in faith. Gets back home. His servants come out to meet him. Oh, guess what? Your, your son is good. He's, he's, been, he, he, he's well again. He, he's back, back in good shape. I can kind of see the smirk on his face. Walking down the drive. I know. <laughs> I know. When did that happen? Oh, yesterday at such and such time. That's the very hour Jesus said it was done. Amen? You see, we just simply have to believe it. Jesus said it, and I believe it. Now, I'm not talking about us speaking things. You know, that's a false, a, 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 a false gospel that's going around in the world. It's not even really a gospel, but... Call it the prosperity gospel, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. We got the power of life and death into our in our own tongues. It was totally uh, taking that text of scripture out of verse out of context. We could speak things. That man didn't say anything. Jesus said it. And he believed it. Amen. When he went. Strengthen his faith all the more. See, we hear the word. We pursue Jesus. Sometimes in pursuing Jesus, that means that might mean as a Christian, I need to get some stuff out of my life. Or maybe as a Christian, I need to incorporate some things into my life in pursuit of Jesus. He heard the word. He pursued Jesus. He humbled himself. Jesus, I need you. You're my only hope. And when the word came, he just simply believed. Okay. It's done. That's what faith is. That's faith. Jesus said it. I believe. And my believing it doesn't settle it. Jesus saying it settles it. Amen? Maybe you've got things going on in your life. Maybe you've got a family member that needs to be saved and maybe you're at the point of kind of giving up hope. Let me tell you something. If God can save a knucklehead like I was before I got saved, He can save anybody. 
Brother Larry Lashley, a pastor of what was at that time Calvary Assembly of God, told me, Rusty Coon, I'm going to pray for you until you get saved, made me mad to the core. I was furious. Sixty-some-odd days later, I got saved. <laughs> Amen? Maybe you have health issues going on in your life. I can't tell you God's going to heal you. I can't tell you he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Amen? His perfect will is going to be done in your life, but he's going to be right there with you every single step of the way. What we need to do is just pursue him in every area of our life. Wholeheartedly. And walk by faith. You know that walk home that day was probably a lot longer walk than walk, walking home from Cana to Capernaum was no doubt a lot longer walk than walking from Capernaum to Cana. Even though the distance was the same. That was a long day's journey, no doubt. But he walked it by faith. Every day we walk in life, we've been given promises. We hadn't seen them yet, but we walked it by faith. And we keep walking, and we keep walking, and we keep walking. Sometimes it seems like a long, tedious journey, but we don't give up. We know the Word of God, and His Word is true. So we persevere. Keep pressing on until the day dawns and the morning star arises. Amen? Right now, as the praise team comes, you, comes up this direction, and you stand, maybe today you're here today and say, Brother Rusty, I have never accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm not saved. Friends, it's simply by faith. By faith. Jesus has done everything that needs to be done for you to be saved. All you need to do is believe on Him. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes on Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. As a Christian, you need to be pursuing Jesus and walking in that faith every single day. But maybe there are specific things that you need. Pursue Him in those things. Seek Him. Call out to Him. Ask and you will receive. Knock and the door will be open seek and you will find it was not always exactly the, in the package you want it to be but it's in that perfect package that is God's will amen right now if God's stirring in your heart you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior you come on down here you need somebody to pray with you you come on down here this altar's open you come on down here 
Listen, I asked you to pray for Sunday school teachers for, for the fall. We already have one. Stacy has surrendered to be our women's Sunday school teacher. Amen? So start praying for her. Continue to pray for those under, other Sunday school teachers that we're going to need. You come as God shall lead.